beautiful community of listeners, and welcome to episode 30 of Creativity Lives Here, a podcast designed to support you with tapping into your peak creative potential. I don't know if you could tell, but I loved saying episode 30 just now. I'm definitely excited that we're celebrating episode 30 of this podcast. And I think I already thanked all of you in the last episode, but just another big thank you from me for being here, for giving me the opportunity to share this project, this podcast with you. It's just such a joy for me. And in today's episode, I'm sharing my second conversation with an actor. The first episode that I recorded with an actor was with my friend Raphael Corkill. And if you haven't listened to that one yet, I'll link it down below. It's a really beautiful conversation. I've truly adored all of my conversations with every single one of my guests. They've all been so special. And I always have a particular soft spot for having conversations with actors because that is part of who I am. And it's just a real treat to speak with a fellow actor like today, where I'm sharing a conversation with Joseph Santos who is an actor in LA. He's currently also writing his first pilot called Blue Lines. And a few years ago, he also shot his first feature film called The Kid, which was directed by Vincent D'Onofrio and starred Ethan Hawke. So we're also going to be speaking about that experience And it's just really fun and enriching to listen to Joe speak about that. Joe and I actually met at an acting class in LA a few years ago, and we were also in a play together. And something that I've always really admired about him is his commitment to the craft of acting. And I think you'll really get a sense of that when you listen to him speak today. Some of the things that we'll be talking about in today's conversation are imposter syndrome, which is a really common thing that can come up in the creative process, the importance of being in class, what it's like to work with Ethan Hawke, Joe's work with writing his first pilot, and how candles can help with creativity. Joe is truly such a wise, smart, and passionate human being with a great sense of humor, and I think you're really going to enjoy today's conversation. So without further ado, let's dive into this beautiful conversation with Joseph Santos. I got to where I am today through the love and support of my parents. I really think that it starts off there. I'm from the Texas-Mexico border, a little city called Laredo, which is right on, like when I say on the border, I mean like I can look outside and see Mexico from my house, which is pretty cool. It's it's kind of kind of uh, amazing. Like it never ceases just to, to uh, excite me and fill me with joy how incredibly proud Mexicans are. Because if you look outside, Nuevo Laredo has this, uh, this like flagpole, but like the biggest Mexican flag you could possibly imagine. And it's just, of course, like, of course they do because, because we're proud people. But, um, I, uh, I'm from there and I say the love and support of my parents because I grew up always like wanting to be good at something and like any kid, right. You want to be good at sports. So I wasn't very good at sports. I was actually just a bench warmer, not very coordinated. Wasn't like the smartest kid in the class, like just never really found my, my identity or my footing. And, uh, then I discovered acting and I figured out that naturally I was a lot better than my friends because they didn't necessarily want to even get up in front of people and talk. And I was like, Oh, well that's, that sounds like fun. So I eventually started doing that and then, um, did some like silly little high school competitions and did well. And then I did my first play and absolutely fell in love. 
with, with acting. And I was like, this is what, this is what I need. This is what I want to do. This is, this is my, this is my calling right here for my parents who like my dad's a vet, my mom's a lawyer for them to, you know, my dad is like very much about like structure and doing things the right way. And like follow, follow the instructions and the manual son, make sure you read the manual before you take the thing apart or whatever. He's like that for him to kind of just kind of say, well, what do you want to do? And I go, dude, I want to be an actor. It was okay. All right, cool. And, and, and not even like the, I'm not, I'm, I'm talking about like, like the emotional support, you know, like the, the emotional support of like, yeah, go do it. That's, that's totally possible. And I think that, uh, as, as, as children, you know, um, we want to make our parents proud and we want to, um, make them happy and, you know, and, uh, and for them to kind of say, no, this is, this is good. And go do that. Uh, we support you and we want you to do well. And we, we don't, we don't think you're silly. I think that was kind of why I'm here and how I've been able to find, find the, the determination of myself to keep going because they initially gave me that push of like, we, we support this. Cause it's kind of silly. Like my brother's a physical therapist. My sister's an accountant. My, my little brother's going to graduate business school. And I am an actor in Los Angeles who for fun will do checkoff exercises. You know what I mean? Like it's just very different. <laughs> so, uh, that is why that is how I'm here today. I would say. That's such a beautiful answer. And it's actually quite rare to receive that kind of support from your parents. And yeah. And, and it's true. You know, when I was in drama school, I met a, you know, you meet a bunch of kids that all want to be actors and stuff and are all studying and we're all artists. So we're all, you know, have our, our, our thing and we're all emotional and we're all not put together perfectly. Right. Like, you know what I mean? And uh, we all have our, our chips on our shoulders and stuff. And you realize, like, I remember, um, I remember specifically like this story of, you know, we're first year college, we're outside the dorms passing around like a, a bottle of vodka or something. And we're just kind of sharing stories where we're from. And I'm wearing my dad's cowboy boots. You know, I took those with me when I, when I came to, to California, cause like, a you know, cause I'm a, I'm a Texas boy. And, um, I was wearing these boots and they're, they're nice boots. And this dude was like, Oh man, nice boots. And I go, yeah, they're my dad's. And the guy goes, yeah, my dad, uh, he'd probably say something like you couldn't wear those boots as good as me or something like that. And I went, Whoa, like in my head, I immediately, like I left, found a way to exit that, that like, you know, the, the, the little fun time went to my dorm room, called my dad. And I was like, dude, thank you so much for all the love you've given me because I realize now that that's like a rarity. And, uh, I just want you to know that like, I'm, I, I really thank you for that. And he was, my dad's kind of a stoic guy, but, uh, he took that really well and was, you know, you're welcome, but, uh, you're right. It's, it's, it's a rarity and, and to have, uh, two parents that just shower you with, with love and with support is just, you really can't ask for much more. I think as a, as a, as a child. I agree. And I feel like, especially when you grow older, you begin to appreciate it more and more. Yeah. Yeah. When you start to, when you start to have your own experiences and when you start, like when the world starts to get hard for you and when the world starts to like, when you're a kid, right. You think, you think that, uh, all the grownups have it all figured out, right. You have this idea like, Oh, when I'm a grown up, and when you're like, Oh, when I'm a grown up, when I'm 21, cause I'll be a grown up, Right. And you're like, <laughs> Then you get 21. You're like, I'm not, I am not a grown up. Right. Uh, but when you when you're like a grown up, and then, then you you figure out, you realize, oh, like this is how the world works. Wow, like I'm so lucky, or I'm so this, or I'm so that, or it puts a lot of things into perspective, you know. Yeah. Um, like my mother, like my parents, like they had twins. I'm a twin, and it's like, let me let me get this straight. You had twins. That's like if I were to have a child right now, I would freak out god forbid twins so it just <laughs> i've it, had the it, same it, thought <laughs> oh my god like yeah. and they figured it out you know yeah. they, they they figured it out and it's just uh that never really crossed my mind until i got older it attributes to the, the strength that both of them had and the uh how solid of, of human beings they they are because they were able to have twins and then have another kid and then have a little girl and like figure wow. it all out so yeah, it's, it's wild getting older for sure. Yeah. And you know, I think having role models who have figured things out like that, I think that's also really valuable on the actor's journey because a big piece of, of that career is 
just kind of figuring it out for yourself. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. And uh, and I would say that um I would say that nobody's really figured it out. I don't know. I don't know of any person that was just kind of like uh showed up, you know, got off the bus and was like, "Okay, I got to do A, B, C, and D." And then they did A, B, C, A, B, C, and D and and they figured it all out. I think <laughs> I think we all get thrown into this like world right or this this town where we're we have this goal we have this like dream and then it's like okay well how um, we're just gonna put one step in front of the other and just kind of figure it out as we go along you're not the first person to go through this and you won't be the last right you know like i'm not the first like uh, I i won't be the first person to work really hard for an audition and then have it just blow up in my face and i won't be the last person And it's just, it's like, it comes with the game and going back to parents. I think it's really important to like have parents that just go, yeah, you know, that happened, but you're still doing what you love. So, cause I, I think like you, you know, I've had this, right. You have imposter syndrome where you're like, am I, am I really a fraud? Am I, do I, am I really, you know, like there's this really great, have you read the war of art? Have you read that book? You know, that book keeps coming up in these interviews. So yeah, it's a good, it's it's a good time I read it. <laughs> oh my, uh, they even have it on audiobook, Leia, and mm-hmm. it's really good. And the author reads it. It's a really great book. But one of my favorite quotes from that book is, I'm going to butcher it. It's like, if you have, if you find yourself trying to convince yourself and your friends, like asking them, am I a writer? Am I an artist? Chances are that you are. The It's like something like the... Um, uh, the egotistical artist is, is a fraud and it's the, and it's the one that questions himself that is that is the true artist. And so it's, I mean, he writes it much more eloquently than I'm putting it right now, but that's the gist of it. And it's like, if you question yourself and, and, if, and I've asked this question a thousand times, right. Am I, am I an actor? Like, am I like, I'm, I'm working on this scene and I'm, and I'm really dedicated, but like, should I be doing something else? Cause like, I don't, I don't know, man, that's a normal thought. And that's a sort of sign in itself that you are doing something that you love and you are what you want. You are an actor, you are a writer, you are this. It's just, it comes with the game and it comes to the territory of putting, uh, uh, putting your heart and your love into something that, is, that isn't, you know, it's not a trade, right? It's, you're not an electrician. You're not a plumber. You're, you're an artist. So it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's really easy to, um, psych yourself out, right? You've probably, have you found that with this? Cause I know you've probably put a lot of love into this project, right? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm someone who has definitely experienced imposter syndrome. Mm. So I totally know what you're talking about, but it's so funny with this podcast. Yeah. It hasn't come up at all. Wow. I've just kind of done it. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I can totally relate what you're talking about in terms of imposter syndrome. Yeah. I think, I think, I think like the way you're approaching this podcast is like a, a really good way to approach a lot of things in life. Like one of my good teachers uh, in drama school had this great saying, he said, do good and throw it in the sea. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Which is like, you just, you do your best and you just got to throw it away, man. And it's really hard to do because, uh, it's, I mean, it takes a lot of self-work to not become a result oriented person. I think that that's like a life mission for myself is to stop, you know, not focus so much on the result, but it's really hard sometimes, especially when you, when you, when you want to do a good job or you want to, you want to perform well or whatever. It's really hard to not work on the result, but to just do good. But I, but I think with this podcast, you're just doing your best and you're letting it out there and you're just going to focus, go to the next one and just, you know, not worry so much about the result, but um, enjoy the process. Yeah. It's funny that you said that because my mom actually tells me something similar. She says, do what you can and let go of the outcome, mm. which is kind mm. of along the same lines as as what you just said and yeah and you know what i think it also is is that like i don't really have any of my identity tied to being a podcaster mm-hmm. but being an actor for me like that's something much more um like that's something that i've wanted to do my entire life which i yeah sounds like is the case with you as well yeah and i think if you have more of yourself in, invested in something then um 
the imposter syndrome is more likely to come up. Yeah, that's interesting. And you know, my biggest, um, my, my biggest aha with that was realizing no matter what happens, I'm, I'm sort of going to be an actor tomorrow. I remember I had this audition for San Diego repertory theater and it was like this, they were doing a, like a, a Latino version of like Oedipus and I was auditioning for freaking Oedipus and, wow. uh, and I was like, Oh my God, this is this is San Diego repertory theater. This is a big, and Maririca coached me. And I worked really, really, oh my God, I worked so hard. I had like, I had like a week and a half to prepare, which like, as you know, for an actor, a week or three days to prepare for an audition is like a godsend, right? Cause yeah. you're used to getting something like, Hey, we need this tomorrow morning. You're like, oh man, like, <laughs> I know. Jesus Christ. That, uh, okay, cool. my schedule for the rest yeah. of the day. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh, great. Oh, six pages. Okay. Awesome. This is, this is going to be fun. But I had, you know, like a week or something to prepare. So I had time to get coaching and to like really work on it. And I remember the day before I'm coaching with Marty Rica and Leah, I crushed it, crushed it. I was like, I, I was just sobbing on the floor and just, just freaking there. I was like, okay, I'm I like, I am so freaking ready. I get to Madeline Clark studios in Burbank. I get there, I show up and the, the reader, cause a lot of the script was in Spanish. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not the best Spanish speaker by any stretch of the imagination, but if I have time to learn it and to translate it into English and work on it, I can, I can sound pretty fluent. The, the, the guy reading had never spoken Spanish probably ever. And it was like, man, this is, I'm in, I'm in the part of the, the play where like, I, I, you know, I'm going to kill my father or whatever. Like this is, this is not, oh, geez. And, um, the audition tanked. Oh God. It was so, I was so just thrown off by that. And it was, so, Oh, it's heartbreaking. And I remember I got in my car and I just had this like emotional breakdown. And I was like, did, like all the feelings I was supposed to have in the room I had in my car afterwards, you know, but, the, but, but the silver lining of that was I had this moment and, and it was like this feeling of like, I drove home and I had this realization. I was like, well, Joe, you feel terrible right now. Well, what are you going to do? You're, you're an actor. Tomorrow you're going to get up in the morning and you're going to pursue acting. So it's like having this realization that no matter what happens to me, right? If I'm in a room and Steven Spielberg or whoever, or, you know, some, whoever's opinion is on the other side of the table goes, you're not good. Well, I'm a 100% comfortable in saying, no matter, doesn't matter who says that, I'm going to get up the next morning and pursue the same thing. So it's almost like it relieves a lot of pressure because it's like whether come good or come bad, I'm going to be doing this thing. So I might as well just get used to this. And I might as well just get used to the fact that like, sometimes you're going to fall flat on your face, even even if you work hard, because you don't have another choice, but to accept it because uh, you're going to get up the next morning and, 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 and be an actor. So, you know, uh, there's this really great uh, book. Have you read the power of now? I love that book. Yeah. So it's a great book. One of my favorite quotes from that is um, with any situation, there are like three things you can do. You can either remove yourself from the situation, try to change the situation or accept the situation. And with that, it was like, well, I can't remove myself because I, I love this more than anything. I can't change the situation because I can't really, you know, influence other people. I can really only focus on myself. So my only option is to really just accept this and accept the fact that like these, these things are going to happen and um, it's going to happen again. And uh, it, it, but it won't, it's not going to sway me. Cause I really think that if, 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 uh, if I was going to quit, I would have quit already because I've had plenty of moments of like, well, this isn't going to work out. Right. But you get up in the morning and, you know, an hour later or something, you're like, no, this is what I love. Like, I almost don't have a choice. Um, does that make sense? Totally. And I feel like yeah. everything you just shared is so powerful. And yeah. um, I'm curious, when you get up in the morning and let's say you don't necessarily have an audition to mm-hmm. prepare for or a project that you're currently working on what is it that you do on a daily basis just to keep 
being an actor? You know, uh, for me, I need to be in a class because I, 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 I will, I'm, I get lazy like everybody else and I need to be in some sort of a class to give myself the, uh, um, I'm missing the word, but it, it gives my, it, it, it makes me, it puts that thing in my schedule where Saturdays at noon, Joe, you're putting up this scene, whether it's on zoom, whether it's in a theater or something like you're going to do this thing. So it keeps me accountable. Um, because I really feel with anything, it's like, like I just finished, um, listening to, uh, outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. You read that book? It's, it's a really good I book have too. way back. Um, yeah, I have read it. Yep. Yeah. So he talks about the 10,000 hours yeah. and you know, um, at the core of it, I, what I got from it was like, you just got to show up, right? You just got to, uh, one of the best, one of the best ways I've ever heard it, um, was you just got to open up the shop. You just got to open up the shop. And sometimes customers come in and it's bumping and you're selling stuff. And sometimes it's super slow, but you just got to open up the shop. And so to have a class that keeps me accountable makes it so I set aside time multiple times throughout the week to open up the shop and, 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 and work. Um, because I have found that when I, when I don't have a class, I, I get lazy. And I tell myself like, oh, you know, like I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. You know, I'm really tired or, oh, I got this other thing. You know, you find reasons to, you find resistance or you find reasons to like push things off. And, uh, but for me, when I have a class, it, it makes me somewhat accountable, um, to, uh, to my craft. So that's what I do. That I think that's the only thing. Cause, cause if I don't have a class, I can do my checkoff exercises, but then I might miss the next day or I might miss the day after that. Right. Um, cause we're all human and I'm, we're not superheroes. So it's, it's easy to get lazy. I think. I also feel it's not just laziness, but also acting is such a collaborative art form that yeah, I, I just know. think it's necessary to have that outside stimulation of other people and um, definitely working with others. And that's what's been really hard during this during this pandemic. And I think that's the one thing that I've missed is, you know, the, I, 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 I try to work out. Uh, quite a bit. So with the gyms being closed and stuff, that was, that was okay. I, I can work out from home fine, but not being able to have a, a place to work with others as far as acting and having to, having to do it on, on zoom, which zoom has its benefits for sure. Right. It has it. Cause that's how a lot of auditions are happening, but I'm more, I'm more, I really want to get in there and I really just want to work with, with others and, 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 uh, you know, get up close and, 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 <laughs> and, 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 you know, and, um, so that's been the hardest thing. And I'm really excited for when hopefully at some point things kind of are able to happen that way again. And I can go back to, 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 uh, to acting classes in person. Um, cause you're right. It's super collaborative, but all I could really, all we can really control right now is working on our own craft and working on staying, uh, emotionally open and, 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 and continue to like, read scripts and, and, and practice like analyzing them and, and, and watch, you know what I like to do? I like to watch movies without sound. That's something that I really like to do. Um, so funny. My husband does the same thing. Yeah. And it's weird. I have, I have this like bro-y kind of, I call it game film. Like, cause if you're (laughs) like, yeah, like, like, uh, like if you're like, if you're on a football team, you watch game film on the other team. For me, I call it like game film. Like you watch it. Like I watch it. Like I watch a sport. You know, I watch, oh, I watch. Okay. Yeah. And it's, and it's, uh, uh, and I, and I always do movies that I've seen before. So I don't, so the story doesn't, doesn't affect me. Right. I know what's going to happen. I'm not, I'm not a uh, sort of engaged in, in the story. I'm more focused on like, okay, do I believe, I know what this person's saying right here. Do I believe them with just their look? Cause you catch things, you catch things you wouldn't normally catch as far as like, Oh, that's interesting. He really received that well, or, or I didn't, you know? Yeah. So Watching movies without sound, I think is, I, I don't know. I don't know. How, people don't talk about it enough. It's like a secret thing that it's like, I don't know why people don't do this more. Or, but so why does your husband do it? Does he do it for the, to get an essence of like the camera? You know, I should actually ask him because his superpower is producing. Yeah. But of course he's interested in like, he loves editing as well. And he's, he's very good at that. So 
I'd be curious to ask, I need to ask him why specifically he does mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Because I totally yeah. can see it from an acting perspective. Oh, oh man. Yeah. I'm, 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 it's, it's crazy, Leia. Like I, I work in, in post. And so I work with a lot of like film geeks and stuff. Yeah. And, um, they, um, they, they're always like, oh, did you, uh, did you see this movie? Yeah. I saw the movie or, or, okay. Perfect example. We were talking about fences, uh, with uh, Denzel Washington and Viola Davis. And uh, one of my coworkers goes, yeah, it was okay. And I wanted to slap him upside the head. And I was like, what do you mean it was okay? And he was talking about like the camera and the lighting. I was like, oh man, dude, I'm an actor through and through. I, I couldn't care <laughs> less. <laughs> I couldn't care less about what the camera's doing. Did you see Viola Davis, the snot coming out of her nose? Did you see that? You know? And, uh, and, and he's like, oh yeah, that was good. I was like, and it's just, that's the only thing that I really look at is when I watch a film and that, yeah, the pretty shots are pretty shots and, and lighting is cool and, and all that stuff. But for me, if, if, uh, uh, I'm, I'm looking at the acting, that's the, it's really the only thing that I care about. And, uh, that's kind of the only litmus test that I have for like, to like judge a movie is whether the acting was good or not. And maybe it's a, maybe it's like a, a it's like a, something I need to improve on, but I just, I can't help it. I just can't help it. Yeah. I mean, it makes total sense that you would see movies through that lens. Cause that's your, that's your craft. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, and I, I love a superhero movie as much as the next guy, but I just, I, 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 I can't, I can't help it. You, I really just can't help it. What, what I find too is I either watch like, um, acting heavy movies or like my girlfriend and I, she loves horror. So I'll watch horror movies, but oh I gravitate. Yeah, I know. Oh geez. I'm uh, yeah. She, she loves it though. Like, and that's the thing is like, I grew up like Catholic. Right. And, um, and so like things like the conjuring that has like demons and the devil is like, Oh, that scares me more than anything. It's just, cause it's just like a, an ingrained thing that, uh, that, uh, that I got from like 12 years of Catholic school. But, um, I find myself watching a lot of documentaries. I think I watch more, more documentaries than I watch films. I just, and I think it's because I understand that if I watch a movie, it's really hard to turn that actor brain off. So if I watch like a docu-series or a documentary, I, I, it's not possible, right? You can't, you know, it's just the story. Um, so I love documentaries. I watch a ton of documentaries. Um, do you feel yeah. like watching documentaries though simultaneously simultaneously gives you like creative inspiration for some of your acting work? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think in in a way it it um it allows it allows you to sort of um understand people a little bit better. And, uh, because a lot of, a lot of documentaries are about, you know, very intense situations. Like I watched stuff on like the last one I saw was about the uh, Nexium cult. Did you see that called the, the, the vow? Oh, do you know that Nexium? No, I don't. Oh man. Okay. So, uh, very quickly this cult in like Canada, which was very much about like, they had these like weird, um, like self empowerment workshops about, you know, discovering yourself and being empowered and being confident. And slowly down the line, it became like this cult where they started branding women and like not feeding people. I mean, you know, and there's obviously like a guy at the top that's like having sex with everybody. Cause that's a cult, right? And that's what happens. And, and, uh, but what, but from watching those, you really learn that, Oh, someone that's really that gets sucked into these kinds of things like Scientology or Nexium or whatever, they're a normal human being. Like there's nothing wrong with them. They're just caught in a very emotional time in their life. And I wouldn't have understood that without watching a documentary. So I think that documentaries give like a deeper uh, understanding on like somebody's why to do something right. Where movie has it for, 20 minutes, right? Some sort of, some sort of character's reason for doing X, but in a documentary, a lot of the times, especially if it's like a long series, they really, you're really able to kind of uh, figure that out and, and, and understand that more. And I think it makes you more sensitive and more vulnerable, especially if you're watching like documentaries about whales or documentaries about um, the Holocaust or about, um, you know, or just stuff like the social experiment where you're like, Oh, that's interesting. I, I think, I think for me, it sparks my imagination 
I think documentaries really spark my imagination. Cause I've been, I've been like my grandfather was a, a big fan of the history channel. So a lot of my childhood was spent watching the history channel with him. Um, so I've just always, always loved documentaries. Actually, I have a question for you. When the pandemic first started, yeah. what was, what were the, what was the Netflix and chills that you, that you enjoyed? Cause I think all, a lot of us, as myself included, just gravitated towards Netflix. Actually, we didn't watch that much Netflix. Really? But I do specifically recall one, watching one movie that I really loved. Uh-huh. Um, did you ever see, I think it's called Molly's Game. Oh, that's with uh, Charlize Theron, right? No, um, no. With, oh gosh, what's oh, her is, name? Oh, oh is, that, is that the Aaron Sorkin one? Jessica Chastain. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, it really it's good? so good. Okay, well, I got to watch it now. Yeah, no, I definitely. Gotta watch it. That's a really, really good one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what did you guys end up doing in the beginning? Like as far as when it first hit as to like past time? This is like a whole other, I could do an episode on this, but basically sure. we like very soon we decided it wouldn't be a good idea to stay in LA, at least for mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. So we actually ended up going to New Mexico. Wow. Which is uh, why we got this idea to potentially move to Santa Fe because we spent mm-hmm. we spent a little bit of time in Santa Fe. Then we went to this place called Silver City, and then we spent some time up in Taos. Maybe it's because like we were just kind of adventuring around that there wasn't that much space for Netflix. Um, but yeah, yeah, Santa Fe. I know we were talking about this before the yeah. before before the podcast, but Santa Fe is is just really beautiful. There's like a really kind of uh, interesting, like, uh, uh, like vibe. Um, you know, it's, I think, I think uh, they have like an, uh, they, I think they have an artistic community, but it's like one of those places that I think could potentially become like a really big, really big hub for, for artists. I think with the pandemic, people are understanding that like, oh, I don't have to live in LA. I can yeah. work remote. I can do X and I, 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 I kind of want to leave. And, and I think that a lot of people are realizing that I think it's going to open up a lot of opportunity for other like artistic hubs in the country that aren't like Los Angeles and New York city, you know, I sense that too. And you shot your first feature film in New Mexico in Santa Fe. Yeah. 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 I'd I'd love to hear more about that. So, um, it's a, it was Western called, uh, called the kid and it's about the, um, Billy, the kid who is actually on my wall. Uh, I, uh, you know, I'm a cow cowboy. Right. And so I've always like loved like cowboy culture and cowboy folklore and stuff. So, uh, I was cast as, uh, this guy named James Bell, who was an actual guy in, in, in recorded history. Uh, Billy, the kid was notorious for, uh, like, like escaping prison, escaping the police. And <laughs> I play one of the, I play this guy who, uh, takes Billy down to use the bathroom. And then uh, Billy actually like kills James Bell and escapes prison. So um, I played that guy, which was kind of fun. And, uh, but it was, it was great. You know, I was there for, for like a week in Santa Fe and the movie movies with um, Ethan Hawke directed by Vincent D'Onofrio was with uh, Chris Pratt, Dane DeHaan, so it was, it was like, a, it was really, really fun. And for my first feature to be a Western, I thought it was like, it was awesome. I mean, like, I mean, I just got, I like, didn't, I, I already have cowboy boots. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't need to, uh, you can skip those at the fitting, you know, like it was like, I, I have boots. Um, I, you know, I didn't grow up riding horses, but I, 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 I ridden enough horses in my lifetime. And I, I rode a little bit before, before shooting to kind of like get that muscle memory back. And, um, you know, group shooting guns and stuff. It was just, it was easy. It was so easy. But, um, I, 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 we did it in Santa Fe and I felt that the city is so interesting, so beautiful. Uh, I really learned a lot about myself on that shoot. And I, what we were talking about before, I really learned about how, um, how, how difficult acting is for everybody and how nobody is born, like a savant, right? No one is born with this, like, like Michael Jordan became Michael Jordan through Michael Jordan's hard work. Michael Jordan just didn't become Michael Jordan because of, you know, because of nature or whatever it was, it was, um, 
and I, and I, and I saw like when I saw Ethan Hawke, like, so our first scene was we were in, we were in a prison. It was shot at like six in the morning and we're all, we're all kind of getting a set and stuff. And I'm in the makeup chair. And then we go to set and Ethan Hawke is on his first cup of coffee. And he's like, he comes in, he walks on set, Leia. Like I walk in to go to work at my job. You know, I was like, Oh, like he's, he's like, yeah, you know, going to work and just kind of like figuring things out on the fly. So like Vincent D'Onofrio has given him some direction and he's like listening to Vincent, but he's also, he's one ear out to him, but one eye in on himself. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to walk down here and then I'm going to say this line at the stairs. Yeah. I'll do it at the stairs. And I'm like, Oh, this guy's just working. He's working. He's doing, that's what I would have done. It it's it. And so that was the biggest lesson that I learned from that movie was like, Oh, it's, 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 more simple than, than, than I'm, it, it's, it's not as difficult as how I'm making it. And, uh, everybody works hard to, to do, to, to like succeed, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right. Like everybody, like he's working hard as well. And it's like, Oh, I can work hard. I, I know how to do that. I can do that. Okay. It, it just, it, it gave me a lot of confidence in realizing like, okay, I can do this. Cool. Roger that. It's not, it's, it's, it's not, a, it's not, ah, here it is. It's not a, it's not as tall of a mountain as I'm making it. Right. Does that make sense? Totally. And what a gift that you had that experience, because I feel like what you're talking about, you can only truly get that lesson in a situation like that, where you're working with one of the greats and realizing that they're just human. And like you yeah. say, showing up for their work. Yeah. And like, you know, I, in, in, in the realm of the painting, right. That, that is the movie. I was like a little blotchy yellow on the corner. Right. I, I definitely wasn't uh, uh, a, a lead in the movie by any stretch of the imagination, but I learned a lot from that process. I learned a lot. And I, and I feel like I really needed to learn that um, because I think any young artist um, actor, musician, whatever they go through this, like, yeah, this imposter syndrome where they, I don't know. Am I really, is this really for me? Did I really choose the right life path? And then to have that experience where it's like, Oh, Oh, this is, this is, this is okay. This isn't as, this isn't as, as, as hard as I'm making it. Okay, cool. It, it it really kind of took a lot of uh, weight off my shoulders. And I think after that, I, I, I decided like, well, I've done this. I'm going to continue to do this. I don't, I don't ever want to stop acting ever. So the decision has been made, you know, regardless of what happens in my life. Um, that is something that is on the horizon for me forever. And whatever happens with that is what happens with that. But I don't necessarily have a choice, but to, but to continue to, to act in, in whatever way that is. Um, and that kind of took a lot of pressure off myself. It really did. Um, cause I think anybody that's, that, that wants to achieve something, um, if they care about it, it's hard not to put pressure on yourself. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. You know, yeah. Like, like when we did that play together, like it's really hard to not want to do a good job because we, because we care about the, the, the work. Yeah. And I think especially a lot of actors get very emotionally invested in their work, which is beautiful, Mm -hmm. but can also be very challenging. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. And, um, I think that there's like a um, there's like a beauty in, in realizing that we're just and this is, this is gonna be out there, but there's a beauty in realizing that we're really on a floating rock that it's like hurling through space. Like there's a beauty yep. in that in realizing like <laughs> yeah, oh totally you know what I mean like and I think this <laughs> I think this pandemic kind of did that for a lot of people where they realize oh what's really important oh my my family my loved ones. And like, although I care about this thing very much, um, these other things are super important. So it's easy to like put that aside and not be, not be so, uh, I think the word I want to use is self-involved, right? 
in one in one in one's work. Um, but anyway, yeah, that experience was really awesome, and um, uh, I'm really happy. And, and I think I really needed that. To, I I needed that to be my experience, right? I didn't I didn't need it to, and it was hard, right? It was it was it was weird and like just. I don't know, just, just seeing that, but it was, uh, it was definitely the experience that I needed to have and, uh, a lesson that I needed to, to be taught. So however that was taught to me, I'm, I'm happy it happened. So one thing I definitely still want to talk about before we wrap up is the pilot that you're working on with your friend. Oh yeah. If you feel like Complete, sharing a little no, bit about I that, forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was yeah. really intrigued when you had shared oh that with me. God, so. I completely forgot. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, okay. So I grew up playing ice hockey. I know it's weird. Really? South Texas. Yeah, I know. It's it, it, it really, it happened. It's the reaction I get all the Interesting. time. Interesting. Okay. All the time. Yeah. So Laredo is a very small city. And when I grew up, we only had like a little civic center for like concerts and stuff. And like nobody ever came to Laredo. Right. But when I was in middle school, the city built this like 10,000 seat stadium and uh, they needed like a team to accompany the stadium, right? Like a sports team. And someone had the great idea to have like a hockey team. So we had like a, not a, like, not like an NHL caliber team, but like a minor, minor league team. And, it, and they were called the Laredo Bucks. And they, you know, I remember my dad got a season tickets behind the goalie, like they were dirt cheap. And we just, if, have, you ever, have you ever been to a hockey game? You know, it's funny when I was in the fourth grade, yeah. one of my friends, her dad was the coach of like the Zurich ice hockey team. Wow. So there's like a weird connection yeah. there, I guess, that yeah. I have with you. Yeah. Oh, th- there's nothing like it. Like going to a hockey game is like it. It's it's so much fun. It's, yeah. It's it's so like w- like when you hear the the puck like slap up against the glass, you're like, yes. what was like was that a gunshot? What was that? <laughs> yeah. And it's so fast paced, and it's like it's 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 just it's such a great sport. But anyway, as a as a kid, you know, you you see something like that, and you're like, oh, I want to play. So my parents enrolled us in like the sort of like kid league. And we started learning how to skate and I was a goalie because I didn't like understand the rules. And I was like, well, if I'm a goalie, I, I guess all I got to do is like stop the puck. So <laughs> it sounds like fun. And, uh, and, and, uh, so I, I played and I actually like, I played a little, I played in high school and then there was like a moment where I was like, well, I, I, it's either I do hockey or I do community theater and I, I chose theater, but I've always like really wanted to go back to, to playing hockey because it was so much fun. And my writing partner and I, I had this idea. It's like, let's make a, let's, let's write a hockey pilot. And there's the, have you seen Friday Night Lights? I have not. Okay. So Friday Night Lights, it, it's a great TV series, but it's about a high school football team. And uh, junior hockey is this weird um, world that not a lot of people know about. It's so if, if I play basketball or football, I play in high school, I go to college, I get drafted by the NFL, the NBA, whatever. June, hockey is a little bit different. When you reach 16, 17, all the way up to 20, you go to school, but you play in this like sort of faux NHL type league where you're part of a team, you travel around the country, you play all these other, you play all these other teams, and that's the way you get drafted or you go to like a, a division one school. So the pilot is about a junior hockey team and they all have their own demons, right? There's, they all have their own reason why they're not as good as, as good as their potential uh, allows them to be. That's what the pilot's about. So um, with COVID, it was really hard for us to start shooting, but now that things are starting to open up. We're going to probably shoot a proof of concept pretty soon and try to get it uh, made because the script is really funny. It's really great. And it's about a, it's about a world that not a lot of people know about, but mm-hmm. the world in itself is super interesting and uh, is just a perfect uh, uh, caveat to tell these like incredible stories. I was really surprised when there was no, nothing like that made yet. So um, we're, we're really, really, really excited. And uh, you know, my writing partner and I, were going to be in it. So uh, I, th- I, and I think that's what, I think that's important too, is like, what can you control? Right. Leia? Like I can't control if somebody decides to cast me, I really can't, I can't control if, 
you know, I get a certain audition. I can just work really hard and, and write, do good and throw it in the sea. But what I can control is creating my own content. Like you can control when you do this podcast, right? You can get up in the morning and go, I'm going to talk to this person, talk to that person, but you can control that. And I think, uh, it's another thing that I can control. And, uh, I think that's why we're doing it because, because why not? You know, it's, it's up to us. So such a I'll good keep, point. Yeah. I'll keep you posted on that. We're really, really, really excited. So. Yeah, please do. Please do. And I, I love what you just said about creating your own content, because I feel, I feel that when you do that, you also get filled with this confidence that has mm-hmm. a ripple effect in, oh, in all areas of your work in life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. and it, it, uh, it makes a, it makes like a really important audition that seems so scary when you're like, yeah, yeah. I got this audition, but I'm also working on this other thing that's actually right. way more enjoyable. And, and that lack of desperation, yeah. I think really, uh, uh, creates a lot of confidence for people or to, uh, like so it, gives, it gives off a lot of confidence. You're absolutely right. So you're true. absolutely right. You know, like if you, if, <laughs> if you like, uh, if, if you like, like somebody and you and you go up to them and you're uh, very much very involved and very much want to get a date with that person you come off <laughs> as desperate right but if you kind of <laughs> act like you don't really need them it you're you're more interesting totally <laughs> yeah totally. perfect analogy <laughs> you know what i mean it's like da- it, it's like dating um but uh <laughs> but uh yeah it's uh we're super stoked on it the the project's called blue lines and, um, uh, hopefully we shoot this proof of concept, uh, in the next like couple of months. And in terms of writing it, was this your first time ever screenwriting or? Yeah. So, uh, I had, a, I had the, I had the, I had, uh, I'm fortunate to have like a writing partner. That's like a, a very good writer. Cool. And I sort of drafted the idea and was like, okay, I, I want to be about a junior hockey team. And it's set like this and did that. And he, and he, loved it and went and went got it and he's such a freaking he's so funny he uh he he we had a google doc and he like wrote it on his phone because he's because he like didn't have a computer but it was but he's such a great writer and i read it and i was like dude this is great we just you know you wrote it on your phone so i so we had to like fix all these typos but um we like has since drafted it looks great it's it's clean it's crisp it's like ready to go um, and so he wrote most of it. And then I sort of like maybe put in some things here and there and, and helped him, uh, like with my opinion and things like that. But, um, that's kind of how we did that. I've screenwritten a little bit. It's so hard. It's so difficult. It's such a I science. I mean, it's such a, I'm it's studying, such a, yeah. yeah, like I'm studying short film writing right now. I'm like, oh my good, this is, this is like science. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's. And you know what, like to, um, uh, there's a great quote from someone that I heard. It was like, writing is like, uh, uh, most of writing is banging your head up against a wall, trying to figure out why you can't write, you know? <laughs> and so like the little screenwriting that I've done, I've just, all it is, is me looking at my computer, like just, just, just staring through like my computer until my pupils burst, you know, yeah. trying to figure out, okay, what's the next thing I'm going to say? It, Cause you're right. It's so hard to, to, uh, to come up with these things. And I have, a, I have so much respect for people who are writers because it, it, it makes my job seem so much, uh, so much easier. It's like, all I have to do is just interpret what you say and, and speak it. I don't have to come up with these ideas. So have you done any screenwriting a, a, at all? Are you doing anything? Well, right now I'm teaching myself how to write short, a short film. Yeah. Um, which is a very slow process. <laughs> and and I know what you mean. I've definitely my my respect for writers has just increased by like a thousand. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's very interesting too. I, I I understand how um a lot of writers can be very like hyper specific with their with their environment. Like they got to have like a certain thing and certain, because I, I really think that the, the room you write in affects the, uh, the, the successfulness of the writing session, right. To have like, mm, I your, totally your, agree with that. Yeah. Your vibe setting. Right. Like I've recently just, dis- okay, this is gonna sound weird, but I've recently gotten into candles and, uh, 
I think like a good candle is uh, for me really helps like creativity. I know that sounds kind of kind of silly, but I have um, like a huge smile on my face right now oh, because <laughs> candles are. It does sound silly, but they're my num like my number one creative tool. Like as I'm recording this with you, I have a little huh? beeswax candle by my side. Oh my god! Hey, are, you, are, you still, are you are you still sitting on the floor? Do you, is that is that still a I, thing? That yep, totally. My <laughs> oh my gosh, you know you know about my floor office? Yes, yes. Oh my god. Well, I I don't know about your floor office, but I do. Well, that's know what that, I call it. <laughs> oh my god! So you're sitting on the floor right now? Right now, I'm actually oh not sitting god. on okay. the floor, but. Okay. Normally, when I do most of my other work, I sit on the floor. So yep. funny. So fu- <laughs> I remember. I remember when we were working our scene in my apartment, and y- you were like, "Can we sit on the floor?" Oh yeah, that's so uh, true. Yeah, sure, whatever. That's yeah, that's fine. <laughs> what about? I know this isn't about this isn't about you, but I'm curious. What about sitting on the floor is 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 great for you? Like, what about it can conduct uh, can creates creativity? I've thought about this and. I think it's, I think it's two things. A, I think it comes just from my theater background where, you know, Mm. like in acting classes and drama classes, you spend a lot of time sitting like in a circle on the floor. And a lot of times without any shoes and socks. Yes. Yeah. People don't understand that. I do the same thing. I walk around barefoot when I work, I walk walk around barefoot and it's It's like, like there's something. (laughs) Yeah. People don't, I think people have this idea of like, um, conservatories or drama schools is like actors like look look good and and they're you know but no man acting is uh just walking around barefoot walk around barefoot (laughs) in your like leggings and sweatpants just like trying to figure it out oh yeah but you know i will say so this is the second reason i love sitting on the floor i feel like it also has a has such a grounding effect like I just feel like grounded and rooted into my work when I'm sitting on the floor. And I think that's also a reason why actors um, like walking barefoot, for example. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm going to try that. I think uh, yeah. the, the next uh, like uh, next sessions that I have as far as like acting that where mm-hmm. I'm like working on stuff, I'm going to try sitting on the floor and I'll let you know how that goes. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. <laughs> So, hey, we are almost at time. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so this information is going to be in the show notes, but where can the listeners go to learn more about your work? Um, Instagram is probably the best way. I'm, I don't have any other social... I have other social medias, but I, I'm not on them because uh, I've spent enough time on my phone as it is. My Instagram handle is this is this is great aged in oak and I will never change it because I've gotten messages from people asking me to change it because they want they want that handle. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, aged in oak because uh, I, I do like a good glass of whiskey. Um, I love that. Yeah, and I'm. I've never... always wondered about your Instagram handle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now just, we know. <laughs> it, just, it just came to me one day. I just so was like, cool. you know, I wonder if that's taken. It's not taken. I'm keeping this because I think this is a uh, this is this is special. So, um, Asian Oak. Uh, that's my Instagram. That's where they can like connect if they so choose and uh, hear about the latest and greatest of what of what I'm doing. You ready for the quick fire round? Let's go. Let's rock and roll. What is your favorite creativity inspiring snack? Ooh, uh, coffee. Does that count? Totally. Okay. <laughs> totally <laughs> oh, counts. Oh, and how how often do people say coffee? I want to say I've had at least twenty to thirty yeah. percent say coffee. Yeah, yeah coffee. it's my answer too. <laughs> <laughs> Amongst other things, but yeah, definitely coffee yeah. is one of them. When is your peak creative time? In the morning, afternoon, evening, or at night? It's at night, unfortunately. It's unfortunately at night, and it's and it, it it's 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 hard because um, I, I I sometimes I go to bed early, so like I have to like get I get tired, and then I hit like a creative wave, and then I'm up. But it's 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 at night. There's something about evening where everybody else is asleep that is uh, very very special to me. I think. Mm, I get that. It's kind of like you have the energy all to yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And sort of no one, no one can disturb you, Yeah, you know, and no one kind of knows what you, no one kind of <laughs> knows what you're doing because they're asleep, that. you know? I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So evening for sure. California or Texas? Oh, oh uh, I'm going to say California. And that's weird. That's hard because I think, um, I, I love Texas. 
I, I, and this is shout out to anybody from Texas. And I'll say Whataburger is great, but in and out is just a little bit better. It's a little bit, it's just a little bit better. And I'll always, I'll always be like, I have, I think like six pairs of cowboy boots. So I'll always be from Texas, but I think, and I, I'll say California because this year has made me love California more just with everything going on. And it's like, I know, like, you know, all the protests going on in Los Angeles and all the, all the stuff going on that's people are leaving. And, but I'm, I'm the kind of person that likes to stick things out when the going gets tough. And it's like with all the hard things going on in LA right now, I've actually felt more like a Los Angelino. So, uh, I'm really, really proud to be living in LA and I'm really excited for LA, uh, after, you know, once, once, the, once we resurge from all this, um, cause you know, things like the arc light closing, right? Like that's, Oh, but I'm, I'm proud. I'm proud to be living here. I think LA is a beautiful place and California is a beautiful place. So for, for today, and it might change, but today I'm going to say California chocolate or coffee, coffee, <laughs> gotta go coffee that was so easy that was so quick that was an easy one was... <laughs> some people are like how can you ask me that question oh, that's easy. Oh, that's... coffee let's go <laughs> what kind of music stirs your creativity classical mm. classical classical music because I, I i think uh um classical or like jazz um something that can go on in the background that doesn't take the forefront of my uh of my focus yeah yeah. Any particular yeah. song or songs? I love Claire de Lune. Um, that might be my favorite classical song, but um, just anything that uh, actually, I'm going to change my answer. Silence. I'm going to, I'm going to go with silence. And here's the thing, Leah, I was working on a scene like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I had classical music going on in the background and I, I felt good. You know, I was, it was, it was tricky, kind of difficult to find, to find inspiration, but it was fine. And then for whatever reason, the day after I decided to work in silence and I found the session to be so much more productive. Wow. And I think that the idea of having some nice music in the background is really cool. But for me, I've, I'm starting to realize that silence is the way to go. So I think it's going to be silence. That's such a beautiful answer. It's really interesting with music. I think it's so important to discern whether the music is adding to your creativity mm-hmm. or whether you're craving a distraction from what you're actually doing. Yes. You know what I mean? That is, that is what a great way to put it. Yeah. What a great way. That, and, that, and I think that's what it was. I think it's like, I think it's, it's thinking it'll be, it'll be conducive, but it kind of just gives me like an out to like yeah. enjoy the music maybe. But, yeah. when, but when it's silence, it's like, there's no excuses. There's nothing, there's nothing to pull you away. You just have yourself and, and the work at hand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Final question. Okay. What does creativity mean to you? Creativity um, means my individuality. I think it, it, it allows me like I work, I work in, in sort of an office environment and I think it's very easy to get caught up in like the mundaneness of, of, of like groundhogs of like a groundhogs day type routine. And for me, creativity is my own constant remembering that I am unique and I am an artist. So I think creativity for me keeps life enjoyable and it keeps life wonderful. Um, because I think without creativity or imagination, the world just seems, uh, dull. That's what I think. So it's, it's my own individuality. And I think without that, uh, I don't know who I would be. I'm, a, I'm really scared of who, who that person would be if I didn't have any sort of creativity in life.